Welcome back to the fire drill. Uh, before we get started about what we talked about, Michael, Alan, and myself, I just want to thank uh, Dormy Workshop and Parpoints, two of the great supporters of Fire Pit Collective and what we're doing and the fire drill. Uh, Dormy Workshop, artisanal, as I say every week, uh, club covers, putter covers, awesome stuff, been great to us. And then Parpoints, great app. Go download it. Go make par. It's a new way of scoring. It's pretty awesome. So as always, thank you to them for their great support. This week on the fire drill, we talked about uh, the hero. We talked about uh, Casey Martin and whether Tiger would ever take a cart. And we talked about uh, Adrian Morak. And we talked a lot about Polish golf. Uh, we talked about how many players are ranked whether he's on the team, what he's going to change. Is he going to change a country? And then uh, we went from laughing about that into uh, a very deep uh, conversation about Tiger and his the, what he's been through in his life and what it means to all of us and what he means to the game and what his scandals uh, meant. And some of it is good on the outcome of what it meant to me and uh, – Michael and Alan get very deep about whether that should ever have been in the media. Uh, it's, it is a really good conversation. I did a lot of listening uh, as much as I can. Sometimes I interrupt and talk about what I want to talk about, but um, it was really good. Never know where it's going to go. We talked a long time about Tiger and a lot of the things that he's been through. So it was super awesome. Uh, that's what I love about this podcast is that you never know where it's going to go. We don't do any preparation outside of a few notes to each other. And uh, it went in a direction that we never thought it would go. So that's it. Uh, it's great. It's awesome. That's why I love this podcast. And here's the three of us talking golf. I got thoughts in my head. Can't get them out. Trying not to think what I'm thinking about. Uh, gentlemen, it's uh, it was going to be a big week. We were all excited to watch Tiger Woods play golf for the first time in ages. He had a WD from the World Challenge. We didn't get to watch the GOAT in action, but... Um, we, we, we heard him at various press conferences and he popped up on the telecast and he, he was pressing flesh and, you know, being the consummate host. But, um, you know, Michael, what do we what do we make of the state of Tiger Woods this minute? I don't think we're going to see this guy play a lot of golf in the future. I say with sadness because I know it's very important to a lot of people, myself included, and very important to uh, to Tiger. Uh, but just to read his body language, to read his body while he's while he's walking, uh, and what he actually says: uh, if you can't walk seventy two holes, how are you going to play tournament golf? Uh, and how does it get better from here? Uh, so sadly. If he could play two or three majors this year, it's a lot. And then the really big question becomes, well, what does he do with the rest of his life to make it meaningful? Yeah, that's deep. I mean, Ryder Cup captaincies, President's Cup captaincies, you know, hosting more tournaments, being Charlie's caddy. Uh, he'll have a role in golf, but it's not the one, as you say, that we, we would we would like. I mean, 
well, let's just talk about the cart situation because you know, I mean, I kind of, of course, it was vintage Tiger, you know, a little woofing in the press conference. I can hit any shot you want. I just can't walk. I mean, why not just take a cart? John Daly does. Casey Martin did. It's it, there's precedent for it. Why? Why is he being so stubborn on this point? Yeah, I, I don't get it. I I was super bummed. Uh, I really like Tiger. I'm a huge Tiger fan, but the the Casey Martin thing is a real bummer. Um, I mean, Casey Martin just had his leg amputated, and the fact that he voted against that is just it's a super drag, man. Uh, it really is. Uh, I get why he doesn't want to take it, and I understand it, no problem. Uh, but I, I guess it's two separate issues to me, Alan. Is if Tiger w- doesn't want to take it. I get it. That's his pride. He's very prideful guy. And, you know, it's not a disease or something like that. I I just really think that Casey Martin being in that conversation is just not part of what's happening here. Like Casey Martin doesn't have a leg. (laughs) Like the guy legit. Yeah. I mean, he he was born with this degenerative condition and Tiger's wounds are self-inflicted. It's definitely a different scenario, but you could say John Daly's, you know, his lifestyle choices probably 100%. led to him not being able to walk. And I mean, I guess the question, it's a philosophical thing. I, I mean, a golf tournament is just, a, they record the golf shots. It's the number of strokes you take. The walking in between, uh, you know, it's it's central to competition from a fatigue standpoint, I guess. And the wear and tear, I mean, that's that's part of having to survive the marathon of a tournament week. But Walking between shots is not integral to how we keep score. Um, I don't know. I, I think you can make the argument that that if Tiger wants, if he's if he would have a change of heart, I don't think anyone would have any problem with him taking a cart and playing seventy two holes and, and hitting, you know, two hundred seventy six golf shots. But um, Michael, I know you as the as our traditionalist feels differently. No, it's not. It's not even that. It's just you know we're all students of Tiger. It's not about uh, what others would think. It's just really about what Tiger is in Tiger's heart. Uh, uh, it's not even, uh, Ryan, it's a great word, pride for sure, but it's even more than that. It's just who Tiger is. I mean, this is, this dovetails exactly with why you could offer Tiger Woods, I would like to think a billion dollars and he wouldn't go down that live road because he's someone who looks back a lot, you know, to, to look back just into the very near past, uh, a golfer he really admired was, uh, was Jose Maria Lothaball. Uh, a Lothaball, uh, had a, bad toe that put him on the sidelines for for well over a year he missed major championships really when he was in the prime of his game and uh, he never thought once about asking for a dispensation uh, uh for a cart uh i think you know tiger's models are you know in a way uh jones certainly hogan a ball arnold who was very much opposed to uh to to, to using carts and i just think it's central to tiger's personality type that Golf is a walking game, period. Yeah, I respect it, but it's uh I don't know. I mean it's it's he Tiger is a is a prisoner of his own mythology. You know, he he mentioned it this week. Oh well Daly took a cart, but I I I, I played at the US Open I won US Open with a broken leg. Like, you know, so I, I think he's he's painting himself in a corner here. You just can't go back on that. But but, he, but um, his mythology is who he is. Uh, so what you're asking him to do here, uh, I totally understand what you're asking, why you're asking. But what you're asking to do to him, he couldn't actually be true to himself and do it. Uh, somebody else could. Uh, and uh, you know, I would agree with you, Ryan. Uh, Casey Martin, when he 
was suing the tour for the right to use a cart. Just let them use a cart. What's the big deal? I mean, I believe the society, if it can be accommodating, should be accommodating. But that's not a statement on what's in Tiger's heart. So I think it's very interesting that that he has no interest in it. Yeah, I totally respect the fact that Tiger doesn't want to take a cart. Totally. I understand it. I get it. And I understand that that's who Tiger is. I guess I, I came at it from two completely separate things. Totally understand why Tiger's not taking a cart and totally bummed that he voted against Casey Martin. And uh, uh, that is what it is. I mean, it's. If, if Tiger won out of a cart, I think he'd put an asterisk on his own. On, on his own victory, so I don't think he. Th- I don't think he would think it's a meaningful, a meaningful win. Uh, you know, if you know Sammy Sosa used a cork bat, I mean, it's not the same thing. Uh, I, I just think I come at it from my own perspective. Like when you know Matt Janella and myself and a couple others went to Pinehurst, we played eight rounds in four days. We played all the courses there at that point. This is this is way back when, and we we mostly walked, but we uh, I think we took a couple carts because we were just. Uh, chasing daylight and this and that and at the end of at the end of the trip you just add up the scores and we paid out all the bets and there was no asterisks on which who rode and who walked and who walked and obviously we're not talking about the u.s open but to the fundamental of the, of the game is hitting the shots counting the scores and to me i i personally would not be bothered if tiger took a car and i wouldn't assign an asterisk to what he had done i mean you still have to play the shots and he's already you know he's got one and a half legs and um, he's already at a huge disadvantage and he's got a fused back and he's got, you know, he's the bionic man. So I don't think there's an asterisk needed, but I, I do agree. You know, part of what made part of the reason we used to talk about Ben Hogan in 1953 is because he survived the bus accident and he had to sit in a ice bath after every round. And you know, that's, that's part of it is, is preparing the body, but it's an interesting conversation to me. And, and, by, and, ju- and just to follow up on that thought about, about Hogan, this is one of the most interesting Hogan quotes ever. And I, as I get older, I, I've come to appreciate Hogan more and more. I am the judge of my own standards. Uh, it's a famous uh, quote associated with, not associated, it is from Hogan. And uh, and that's what Tiger is saying here, too. Uh, I mean, I guess to Ryan's point, he's not really because he's saying no to Casey Martin as well. But he is saying to us in his own way, I am the judge of my own standards. So I think there's something very admirable about that. He's going to use a cart to the father's son, which is not really in anyone's mind that different than than the Hero World Challenge. Does Charlie take a cart? Does Charlie ride in the cart? No, Charlie nope. walked okay. in Tiger Road. I'm saying is 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 the is the the world challenge that much more of a serious competition than the um than the father son? I mean, to Victor Hovland, yes, but to the world at large, I don't know. Well, I, Tiger would definitely say yes. You get, you may not like it, but you get world golf ranking points for the hero. Then you a absolutely lot. do not. You get a lot of points. Actually, <laughs> you, you get a lot of. Just one quick note. I probably have made this point before, but I've I've had a fantasy, and now it's really going to prove to be a fantasy that when Tiger turned fifty, he would take the three senior majors, the U.S. Open, the Senior British Open, the Senior PGA Championship, seriously, and make it a thing to try to win all three eventually, or win three in one year and i thought he could really elevate those events which i think are already terrific events uh that's not going to happen either no no uh, all right well you mentioned world ranking points let's go there because i of course was rooting for scotty scheffler to win the world challenge because he would have gone back to number one in, in the in the world based on the copious number of points he would have earned by beating 19 guys most of them are on vacation um because i root for chaos at all times and that would have just been delicious 
And you root for the story. <laughs> root for the story would have been a great story. I mean, all these live guys are you're getting pounded because they want they want more ranking points, and they're just they're just passing them out by the bushel in in the Bahamas. It's it's a little wild, and um, and it doesn't quite jive with the narrative that's been constructed around all this stuff. But it's good fun. My my tweet my tweet was after Victor won is Victor just won his second straight guys trip. I mean, like. It's a dude. It's a guy's trip. It's night. It's 20 guys. They all stay in the same resort They're You know, they're hanging out. It's the end of the season. No one could give a shit less who really wins. Like, yes, I get it. And the final round, like there's some pressure. You want to win. I get that. They're competitors. But like on Thursday afternoon, no one cares. No one cares. And the fact that you get world ranking points for an unofficial event, it's not even a PGA tour event. This is just, this is Tiger's guy's trip, right? Like, it is a sl- – I mean, listen, I'm not here to defend Liv. Like, literally not here to defend Liv. But it is a slap in the face. If we think that this is not a joke, it's two times – the Liv, Liv events are two times the field size, and there are 18 less holes. And we're saying that's not allowed, but this is – it's insane. I mean, it's – it's so ridiculous. The more you look at the official world golf rankings, the more of a joke it's kind of becoming. Well, and I mean, I've covered Tiger's event a handful of times, and guys are putting a little a little effort early in the week, and then the first round, anyone who shoots like higher than seventy one, they, they're like, "I'm out. I tried. I don't have it." And then day two, anyone anyone who's you know more than seven back, like basically twenty guys, maybe. Out of the 20, maybe 16 care at the start of the week. After Thursday's round, you're down to about 10. And after Friday's round, there's about seven or eight. And on Sunday, there's only four or five guys who care because they have a chance to win. So it's, um, it is, it is what it is. But a, a win, a win at the hero, a win at the hero meant so much to Patrick Reed that he brought a 15th club. Yes. Bada bing choo. <laughs> like <laughs> I wish I could make a better sound for Michael Zingers, but yes. Indeed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh well, I mean for Victor Hovland, it's you know, it's not a bad win. Like he's he's a guy who's still trying to build a resume. I think he's trying to uh, I I was out there walking with him at um the old course and it was a little discouraging to to watch him retreat. I mean, in that moment, I mean, this is maybe the best driver of the golf ball on the planet. He kept in hybrids off the tee and irons. It's like, Victor, what are you doing, man? He was playing so conservatively. Um, and did you actually say that to him? Because no, that I would, would be weird. I that to myself. <laughs> I should have. Like, someone needed to say something to him. Uh, he just he was, didn't look like he was playing to win. It was so strange. So I think for a guy like him, it is meaningful to um, when you have a chance to close, you close that that. that that has value to a Victor Hovland, and you're going to raise, and your status with Tiger is going to is going to ra- be risen, raised, will go up, uh, and that's a positive. <laughs> oh yeah, these guys, these guys live for validation from Tiger. So now he's won it twice, and uh, you know, in future Ryder Cups when they're interacting, like he'll. I, I think you're right. I mean, Victor's going to be like, I've shown this guy what I can do, and there there is a weird weird energy around tiger that guys have to get used to his presence. And um, so for, for Victor, good for him, but I mean, Vic, listen again, he beat 20 of the top, whatever, 30 players in the world. I get it. I mean, he beat 20 guys. He beat 19 guys. <laughs> like it's, 
I don't know what it validated. 19 and 10 of them are there to like have fun and have a vacation with their spouse. I don't like, again, I, I, I just don't. Do you it. think Ryan and Alan, do you think Tiger would have a hard time drawing the field he draws if there weren't uh, world ranking points being offered? A hundred percent. That's why they are offered. I would guess. Yeah. I don't know anything about this, but well, I would guess a hundred percent. That's why they're offered. I mean, if you if you look at the history of of the World Challenge, initially there weren't ranking points, and he still leaned on his buddies, and they showed up. So I think that he would get most of the same guys just because he's, he's Tiger effing Woods, and they want to kiss the ring. And if these guys have any self awareness, they know that their their third home, their second Ferrari, and most of their net jets is due to Tiger Woods. And um, so I think it's you know it's just showing respect in the way. I mean, even guys who would show up for Byron Nelson's tournament when he was still alive because of Byron Nelson. You saw as soon as he died, that field just cratered, and they don't have the same connection with 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 him. That was, it was just a showing of respect. So, I think Tiger would still get a terrific field. You might lose a couple guys, but um, when now that there's world ranking points, it's a no brainer. And half these dudes have a house in Albany. You know, it, it just it just has become a whole, um, as Ryan suggested, it's just become its own little event that's that's fun and and a little bit of a lark so it would have been so cool to hear tiger say or you know or say in the future you know what 18 man field no cut we don't deserve world ranking points uh uh i remember once during a rain delay uh uh, once at augusta uh uh thunderstorm came in and tiger was he was deep on the course, not that deep, but he might have been on like 15 T and a, and a band came by to, and uh, he was playing with Thomas Bjorn and uh, Bjorn uh, said to Tiger, Oh, they've got a band for us here. And, uh, and they were both playing like dogs and, uh, and Tiger said, do we deserve a ride in from the way we're playing? And uh, I think they hiked up the hill. Uh, but that's just how he is. And, uh, you know, I think Tiger knows he doesn't quote deserve that pit money. It's a joke. And he must know at some level that these points are a joke, but, to really put your money where your mouth is and not accept them, that would be maybe a bridge too far, but it would be cool. Everybody was looking for, uh, what's the FTX's CEO's name? Sam? Yeah, what? Bankman, Sam? yeah. Yeah, Bankman. Rappaport wrote a uh, article about it that everybody was on the lookout for uh, for Sam. And uh, Jimmy Why? Dunn was, he, was he in the field? Or he's hiding out there. He's avoiding... He's avoiding prison by hiding out there. Yeah, no, that it, it is a, a world unto itself. Like the, one of the the power moves in the history of sports journalism was when um, Wright Thompson was trying to when he did write a, a terrific Tiger story, but he was pursuing him. He actually chartered a a boat, and you wouldn't call it a yacht, but a good sized boat to to take him from, I guess, South Florida to. The, the world challenge just so he could be in that same marina as tiger and kind of penetrate one of the layers of of uh you know of access and and get within the bubble and he didn't get that much out of it but it's i, I love that we're we still live in a world where a reporter charters a boat chasing tiger woods <laughs> so maybe so maybe someone from the financial times should try that you know like or uh, or fortune like that that's how you do it I mean, we all track, track, track Tiger's uh, plane, you know, so like everybody's, we're all 
we're all playing in boat trackers at this point. I know it's pathetic. Um, well, since we're on the topic of Tiger and we've ta- we've the the live subject has been raised. I mean, it was interesting that he used the exact same words as Rory um, in his press conference talking about Greg Norman, who of course runs Live Golf. Greg must go, and um, it was almost like they workshopped the phrasing together, Tiger and Rory on the back nine at Seminole or something. And you know, it's an it's interesting that we all know that Norman is a bit of a pariah and he, he inspires feelings and he's, he's clearly uh, a thorn in the side of the PGA tour. But it's, to me, it's very interesting that Tiger and Rory have made it so personal because is this, is this about business or is this personal? Alan, does that, uh, is the presupposition there that you believe it? Do you, (laughs) do they really think that? I think it's just posturing. I mean, I think, I think it would be helpful, you know, if they're going to try and, um, you know, somehow forge a compromise. I think probably Greg and Jay Monahan both should probably exit stage right. You bring in fresh blood, they can say, okay, the new guys can say, hey, all that nastiness, we didn't mean it, we're here to make peace. Like, I don't know if it's mandatory, but it would probably be helpful. Um, but I think it's 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 a, uh, a reflection of how effective Norman has been, that he's so under their skin and in their heads. Like, it's, if I'm Greg Norman, this is like a feather in my cap. I'm, I feel more secure in my job, not less. I love Norman's response this week from, I think it was Golf Week. I don't know where he said it, but Norman said he doesn't care or think about Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy. Like, okay, first of all, obviously you do. And second of all, it's just so like so Greg Norman, right? Like the little I know of him, just like the public persona of just saying you don't care about Tiger Woods. I mean, the, the pettiness on every side from Jay on the down on the tour side and Greg on down on the live side. It is just a, as my colleague Alan Shipnick would say, a a gift from the content gods. I mean, it's <laughs> ridiculous. I don't see how, Alan and, and Ryan, I don't see how that is a genuine statement on uh, on either of their parts, Rory's or Tiger's or anybody else who would say it. Uh, because what you have here is an entire threat to your ecosystem and the PJ Tour as we know it. And you've got literally millions of fans, golf fans across the world who are their lives, our lives as fans are sort of hanging the balance because of this whole thing. And you, two well-known golfers, extremely well-known, you know, fabulous talent golfers and best-known golfers on the planet are going to put this whole thing on hold because of one guy who doesn't even hit a shot. It's just not believable. I think they must realize that Norman's not going anytime soon and that it gives them time to stall and try to figure out what's next. Because the way I see it live, you know, I mean, the courts will be the courts and they'll have a lot to say here, but lives got all the cards because it's got all the money. And, uh, and Jay Monahan said that himself in June, if this is a fight about money, we can't compete because they've got a lot more money than, than we do. So I don't buy it. I don't think it's a genuine comment on their part. I think it's a clever stall tactic. Interesting. Uh, to me, it sort of diminishes Rory and Tiger to some degree. But you know, Rory's been set up as the conscience of the sport and and this noble um, figurehead. And why is he why is he rolling around in the mud with Greg Norman? Like he, I I think he should be above that. And it, it makes him look kind of small. He's already they list him at five ten. He's already about five eight. But it, it makes him look even smaller to me. Right, because if he's going to go down the road of we're actually going to need to have some kind of compromise here. Uh, Greg Norman, no matter what you think of him, he's not 
evil. You just don't agree with him. So it just, I don't know, makes no sense to me. Yeah. And, and meanwhile, Roy's one who has been banging the drum the loudest about, you know, there's got to be a middle ground here. And he thinks that he's, um, that he's trying to facilitate the compromise, but I, I think he's complicating it because Norman is very tight with the two guys who run the public investment fund who are, who are funding live. I mean, they, they are thick as thieves and, um, I think their allegiances are, are with Greg. He brought them the idea. He, he's brought it to life. He's pushed all the, the right buttons. I mean, of course he said some dumb things along the way, but I don't think they're bothered about that. And, um, it's been by any measure a smashing success. So I, I, they're, they have, I think they're committed to Greg Norman. So if, if, if Roy's serious about wanting a compromise, I think this just makes it more complex. And, Alan, and Alan, I got to fact check two things on you. I got to fact check two things on I here. At the very beginning, at the very beginning, you said that Tiger Woods is the G O A T. Not everybody agrees with that. And there are people who would not agree that this live tours inaugural year has been a quote smashing success. <laughs> oh, okay. That's <laughs> hyperbolic, but Considering that it, it didn't even exist until March, when you look at the players they've signed, you look at the amount of traction they've gotten in in the media, the energy. They Can I finish the sentence? Smashing success. Smashing success. Now, as it is. as a competitive offering to fans, I think we could all agree it's a little lacking. But um, I mean, I think they're light years ahead of where any of us thought they would have been. So. Yeah, I mean, and they have arguably the best player in the world playing for them. Like, no one thought any of that was possible. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't even think there's... That is true. I think if Cam Smith and Rory McIlroy played head-to-head on 10 different kinds of courses and 10 different conditions, I think I think Cam would beat them 7 out of 10. So, Wow! What? Yes. Cam is, Cam is really good. Cam is he just very, has a gift good. for scoring that, you know, Rory, to me, it really comes and goes. Like, if... And I love Cam. Cam is kind of becoming, like, of all the people, I don't really miss a lot of people that have gone to live, but Cam is definitely, not only his play, obviously, but he just seems to be like a down-to-earth kind of dude. Like, they had the videotape, if you guys saw it on Twitter, Michael's not on Twitter, but, like, he's watching a replay of himself in in a bar, and, I mean, he's obviously hammered drunk. And, uh, I mean, he's just, like, a good dude. And, like, and then... He didn't realize there was a third, uh, another cut at the Australian Open this week. And he's like, they said, why'd you play bad? And he said, yeah, I had too many beers last night. I was, I was hung over. Like, like I, I can just get down with a guy who's just a dude that, and is really good at golf. Like, yeah, I won last week and I've been partying for a week. So don't know what to tell you. Yeah. No, I know. It's, it's going to be fun to watch him in the majors next year. As we've talked about before, the imports of majors has gone way up. We're going to bring all these players back together, reunify the game four times a week. And the, the friction and the energy around the majors is going to be spectacular. And I mean, Cam's tailor-made for Augusta National. Any firm, fiery, open course on either side of the ocean. Um, I mean, like LA Country Club, is not a traditional U.S. Open course. It's not tight like that. I mean, there's there's room to play. The green complexes are amazing. Like it, it's going to be Pinehurstian, and that it's going to be a lot of finesse and 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 a lot of scoring. And like, I'm not suggesting Camp Smith's going to win the first two legs of Grand Slam, but um, he's dangerous. Oh wait, no, the PGA is before the U.S. Open now. Anyway. Whatever the point is, Cam Smith is going to be a keynote player in the majors, and it's just going to add to this whole thing. 
And to Ryan's point, you know, you know, they have all the, they have these different uh, criteria for uh, how you win the pip money. They should have something for how unpretentious you are because they're all so pretentious <laughs> except for Scotty Scheffler. You can't believe it. And Cam Smith would do very well in that category. You'd be the best. Uh, <laughs> they all yeah. themselves so seriously. It's so dull. Yeah, that's well said. Um, let's see. Well, thinking, thinking about the, the world of golf at large, um, you know, it was big news in Poland. Like Poland's going crazy. They finally, they finally won a, an Australian <laughs> Open. Wait, wait, um, Ryan, you're the only did you in the world did you call your friends? You're probably did you call your friends? Anything about the new Australian Open champ? Can you tell us anything about this dude other than he's really tall? I just want to know who you called in Poland. Don't okay. know that they're well, that's, going crazy. It's creative license. It's the novelization yeah, okay. of what just Fair happened. We're, we're, we're bringing yeah. to life what it should feel like. Now, the reality is they're probably not going crazy in Poland, but I hope I somewhere they hopefully one bar they're going crazy. Yeah, definitely. And though I how is golf in Poland? Like, is that a popular sport in Poland? It's a short season, man. I, I mean, <laughs> it's a super short. I would. Here's what I learned. Like, I didn't know that people from Poland are called a Pole. Like, I just assumed they were like Polish or Pol- I don't know. I didn't know Polish. But uh, Adrian Moronk is the first Pole, it's weird to say, uh, <laughs> to win on the DP World Tour. He won the Irish Open. Um, he went to East Tennessee State. He uh, played on the Challenge Tour for a long time, and now he's won the Australian Open and <laughs> ruined many people's Sunday because they wanted to come see their favorite son, Adam Scott, roar to victory, and he got demolished by a six foot six pole. <laughs> <laughs> well said, and <laughs> perfect. It's perfect, and not so. He, it's one thing to win a tournament. When you win on courses like Kingston Heath is one of the 20 best courses in the world. And Victoria, uh, they, they played across two courses. Victoria is absolutely wonderful. That was Peter Thompson's um, kind of hangout. There's a great statue of him overlooking the course. And Victoria is absolutely wonderful. I'd gladly play there the rest of my life every day. So, uh, you know, you, when you win on these big-time courses, uh, it's it's significant. I think that this is the guy we're going to have to take seriously. And um you know, hanging over all of all of these Seamus Powers and these other guys who are popping up this year is the Ryder Cups, you know, what is it, nine months away now? Like, it's the, things are getting serious. So the, the jockeying for um, for spots on the Ryder Cup has definitely begun on the European team. And um, so uh, I don't know. We'll have to do a deep dive on, on golf in Poland at some point. But he's also playing his way into uh, to representing uh, Poland in the Olympics. I don't think there's a lot of competition, to be fair. <laughs> I mean, it's great. It's You're going to represent your country in many things. Let, hold on. I will hold. While you guys talk, I'm going to see if there's any other. How many Polish golfers are in the OWGR? <laughs> yeah. Well, so and we, we don't have to go down the rabbit hole of whether the Olympics are, are good for golf or not. But, you know, I was in Rio. I was hoping to go to, to Tokyo, but because of the COVID stuff, it just was going to basically be a prisoner of a tiny hotel room. So I skipped it. But... The thing that was cool in Rio was it really meant a lot to these golfers to be there. And it was a kind of recognition uh, that is hard to come by because they're not going crazy in Poland. Nobody even knows this guy won the Australian Open. However, if you're an Olympian, that has meaning. You know, like I'm, I'm sure that Poland is strong in a lot of the, the Winter Olympic sports. And, you know, the, the, the title Olympian has value in places where golf does not have a strong culture. And so, 
if he does get to the next games and that goes on his resume and if somehow he has a great week and sneaks that medal out like that's monumental that could change the the, the shape of of, of, go- of polish golf forever so um i mean we're sort of joking but like this is where the olympics is really cool because in these countries that do not have a rich golfing tradition um Everyone knows what what the Olympics are, and and everyone knows what a, what a gold and a silver and a bronze medal mean. And so, Wit- um, witness what uh, what uh, did for Rory Sabatini and Slovakian golf. When we go over to report the Polish golf travel log, we're, we're going to see what exactly it did for <laughs> for the Slovenian golf <laughs> scene. But no, I mean that was that that made that whole thing so much fun i mean rory sabatini at the olympics was that was a gift from the content gods i mean it, it's i still can't believe that happened and who in slovenia agreed to it you know who was like yeah that's fine they probably took like a totally person okay. to rubber stamp the whole <laughs> yeah. thing i don't think it was a big bureaucratic process they were happy to have him unlike you know <laughs> the pga tour and rory's brethren over here they're like yes please we, we love you come on over I can't find uh, the new. Just this is total sidebar, but the the new OWGR site is as bad as the rankings for the Hero World Challenge. I mean, that site sucks now. It used to be, it used to be able to find it by country, and I can't find it. So I'm just going to assume that Adrian Moronk is the one of the few Polish pros. I would assume. Yeah, right now, but who knows what's coming? I mean, this 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 could yeah. be like Savory Pack. You could he could change golf forever. You just don't know how rich the pipeline is <laughs> of talent. What, what's what's happening to the Norwegian pipeline? Oh, with, with Victor, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, that that's the thing is, and that's another spillover from the Olympics is that you know all all these nations have funding for their Olympic programs. You know they take it very seriously, and now that golf is an Olympic sport, I'm sure that uh, all all these smaller countries are helping to grow grow the game. To use our favorite phrase, and so you know, Victor Hovland is definitely a threat to win to win a medal at the Olympics. And if that were to happen, that would be a monumental deal. And um, so yeah, it, it is. I it's probably you know i know jo- our colleague jordan prez has has wanted to to write a big story about the, all the different federations and how it all works and i'm i'm going to call her after this podcast cuz we're raising some interesting points here like what what's bubbling under the surface you know like anecdotally when the games went to rio all the all the the national federations in in south america and latin america started pumping money into golf cuz they realized you know if you if you want to compete in in a team sport, you need so many players. I could try and win a gold medal or even a bronze medal in basketball. Like you need so much talent, um, but it only takes one guy with a gift to, to bring home a medal. It's a good investment. If you're if you're trying to match dollars per medals, like golf is a very good investment. You just need one guy to do it, and um, it doesn't doesn't need any teammates. Doesn't need uh, you know uh, that much infrastructure. So. Um, I, I think I think you know we may be onto something here accidentally that that um there there's 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 stuff happening that you know beneath the surface in, in all these smaller countries and it'll be cool to see how it plays out. All right. Well, I just found I've <clears throat> searching on the OWGR for Adrian Moronk and Polish players, but I just found out there's an Albanian pro, one Albanian pro, and he made a cut in a Canadian tour event this year. Who knew? Yeah. Sit sidebar. <laughs> 
I mean, that, that's the thing. I mean, golf is such a meritocracy. If you can, if you can shoot, keep shooting 66s, you're, you're going to find a way. And, and so, um, that's, what's cool about it. You really, you really can blaze your own trail. Adrian Moronk is 56th in the world currently. And I mean, it's going to be in the top 50 after this win easily. Uh, I mean, it's just wild. He's really, I mean, East Tennessee state. I, I read a story about him today. Um, he was kind of discovered by, uh, I can't remember the coach's name, but he's a lead better disciple. And he was on a range looking at a bunch of kids had no thoughts or didn't even know about Adrian Moronk and said he saw him at the end of the range and he could just tell by the way he was hitting it, that he was different than the other kids and is still his coach to this day. That was like when he was 15 years old. So went to East Tennessee state and then played on the challenge tour, like mediocre for a couple of years three years and then uh, finally got his card and here he is waxing adam scott at the aussie open and oh by the way did you note who uh, is on adam scott's bag these days oh stevie stevie stevie's mm-hmm. back stevie's back michael i think you have more of a relationship with stevie than almost any other writer it seems like he will actually answer your calls or your emails like how have you He's how have you great. established this chemistry I don't know, but I'll tell you this. I don't know really where it's where it started. Maybe the here uh, we at Sports Illustrated when Al and I were at Sports Illustrated together, we would uh, sometimes uh, help athletes in different sports write first person pieces. And he wrote a first person piece about uh, about his experiences uh, uh, catting for for Adam. And uh, I interviewed him and wrote it up in his voice. But then he took it really seriously, and he's very bright. And uh, you know, I think a lot of us had the impression. But probably rightfully so. There was half a thug uh, uh, based on some of his behavior when when he was catting for, uh, for for Tiger Woods. He was sort of Tiger's enforcer. But, and it's a very significant but, uh, there's a very thoughtful, intelligent, and really, really golf knowledgeable side about him. I mean, there are, you know, actually, as I'm thinking, there are, there are other things as well. Some of the crude comments he made about Phil Mickelson and various other things. But leaving that aside, He's like everybody else, you know, there's multiple sides, uh, uh, to his personality. And, uh, by the way, you know, Adam Scott, I don't, wouldn't have a crude thug on his back. He just wouldn't, uh, he's so genteel, he, he, Adam. Yeah. 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 Uh, now maybe, you know, now many of us would remember, uh, uh, Steve Williams catting for Adam Scott, uh, Alan, what, what was that? Um, what was that open that Ernie one from the car park? Was that Litham? Litham. Yeah. Yeah, when Adam yeah, the last know, four holes. Yeah, you could, you know, you could see <laughs> Williams was more pissed than uh, than Adam Scott, and Adam Scott was plenty plenty annoyed. Um, but anyway, I just think it's it's very telling that Adam Scott uh, would want Steve Williams back on his bag. And uh, and Alan, you made this point the other day. There are two caddies who are actually really significant figures in this game today: Steve Williams and Jim Bones Mackay. Uh, uh, it's uh, it's neat it's interesting uh they do it very different ways uh but uh it's just another way to and for us to enjoy the game you know seeing these guys in action well the ultimate showing of machismo and like hyper masculinity was stevie at the masters wearing the white jumpsuit with no shirt underneath and just showing all the chest hair and like um it was like this is it was so old school i, I wonder if he'll bring it back but i always like I always was amazed that the green jackets let him get away with it, but you know, it was, it was very provocative and uh, it's certainly, you know, it kind of fits with, 
it was part of why he, why he was a great match for Tiger because Tiger kind of exuded that energy as well. And Stevie walked fast. He's a big dude, and he always had a scowl. And he was always barking at fans, which admittedly he kind of needed to do. There was always an element of chaos around Tiger, especially in the early years. And um, you know, it was they were they were it was a good pairing. You know, like I mean, Stevie was in better shape than Tiger. I remember at Kapalua one year, um, I was just kind of hanging out, and he came huffing and puffing and drenched in sweat. And Butch Harmon was there. This is like. I don't know. Tiger stopped playing that tournament pretty quickly, so this was late '90s or whatever. And um, Williams, they had some bet whether he could jog the entire back nine up and down, which has incredible hills. If you could, you had to go on the cart path and do the entire back nine, and it was like in 22 minutes or something insane. And he did it, and he won the bet, and like took a took a Benji off of uh, off of Butch, and it's like, I mean, that would put any of us in the hospital. But um, so yeah, they. There was there was some sort of chemistry there with with, with him and Tiger that that um, fed the whole thing. I think. I bet you, Steve Williams, it, in his own way, probably has something he quote still wants to prove uh, to himself or to golf or whatever it might be. Because, uh, and Alan, I think we've talked about this moment, and Ryan, I don't think you and I ever have, and I don't think too many people know about it. Uh, but the, uh, uh, the, the open in, uh, in Northern Ireland that, uh, that Shane Lowry, uh, won up at, uh, at Portrush, uh, Tiger was practicing in the rain. It was insane. And he had his little entourage around him, including, uh, uh Joe LaCobb and, and various others. And Steve Williams, you know, ti- like, uh, you know, Tiger's practicing. Steve Williams is walking, you know, uh, right from right to left. And, uh, and he, just says hi to everybody and everybody acknowledges Steve Williams walking by just in a sort of an appropriate way. And Tiger would not stop and even make eye contact with him. And he had to know that Steve Williams was there. And uh, I think Steve was hurt or pissed or both. And uh, I can understand why. Uh, Cause they did have a lot of good years together. And I think sort of their thing has eased over the years as well, but obviously not completely. And, um, you know, it would be interesting to know what really actually is motivating uh, Steve Williams to come back uh, at this point. Yeah, could, yeah, for sure. It, I mean, he's a very righteous dude, right? That that was the really the, the breakup with him and Tiger was he had everyone just assumed everyone around Tiger was, was in on on shuttling women in and out. You know, logistically, you just assume they all knew, they all had to know, they all had to be enablers, and Steve Williams wanted Tiger's camp to put it. In, in one of the public statements that Steve had no knowledge of the situation and they didn't do it. And he was, Steve Williams was so pissed off about that. That's really why he like, in some ways just, just quit on tiger because it was this personal betrayal, you know, best man in his wedding. And, um, but and, he is, always, he had said that consistently. I don't have any reason not to believe him. Do you, do you, Alan? No, I mean, I don't, um, I, I have no knowledge of it. It, when the the scale of Tiger's infidelity and and you know you would think that a lot of people had to know and obviously his buddy Byron Bell was was booking plane tickets for Rachel Yucatel and stuff like that, but on the other hand, Tiger was such a mystery to everyone. You you never you never saw him. You never knew where he was staying. Like it's quite possible that they they shook hands at the golf course and they didn't see each other until the next morning. And so, um, but based on how how righteous that Stevie was about it, it has the ring of truth because. Um, that's how I feel. That's how I feel. Yeah, I'm glad you. I'm glad you said what he said because it's it's commonly thought. Uh, now, what is it commonly thought? It's commonly thought that Tiger 
fired Steve Williams. Is that correct? Is that what people typically think? I don't know. I mean, it's. It, I think in Haney's book, it's pretty clear, like that that Stevie was the one who initiated it, and for sure, because um, he went but, to work for Adam Scott. Uh, uh, yeah, while he was still employed by Tiger Woods, he went to work for the enemy, and that was tantamount to quitting. That was quitting. Yeah, but then after, but yeah, I mean, I, they never recovered from the the scandal, and that was such a strain. Right. I mean, I think right. I, I don't think working around Scott wasn't the cause. That was the symptom, but um, it, it is an interesting footnote. And it's funny that we're, we're trying to ascertain the, uh, the, the motivations of a caddy I mean, on some level. They're just carrying the bag and they're just there to, but not in this case, not in this case, you're right. He had, he has a different station in the game and you, and so it, 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 there's another, there's just a layer of intrigue there. And, um, it, it's kind of weird, Alan, even to be talking about, quote, the, the scandal now, because, you know, and Alan, you and I have, have talked about this for, for what, getting on 10 years now, but um, it's so obscene, our, our, our interest in Tiger's sex life. You know, I mean, <laughs> honestly, I thought it then, and I still think it now. And, and when you think about this hole it took on, on, on Tiger's life, I mean, what right was that of anybody's... <laughs> to be exploring his private life like that. Uh, but it really did turn his life upside down. And, you know, and, 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 and now, you know, here, you know, this is a totally different thing, but, um, but that car crash, uh, um, uh, two years ago, um, it turned Tiger's life upside down. And now that, that's a different scenario altogether. And that's something people never talk about. And I can understand why, because it's so depressing, but that's dark. It also, well. It is well, like, Mike went super. Michael went super serious, but I agree. Uh, Tiger and who he's banging is between him and his wife at that time, and uh, I just I never got it. I never got the apology. He didn't owe me anything. Uh, <laughs> he owed his wife and kids an apology, not me. And I just never got it. I did like, and that's why I just don't get Stevie Williams being. I guess he didn't want to be involved for what reason? He had nothing to do, like. I would never think differently of Stevie Williams if he did or did not know about it. So I don't, I don't get that. I never got the whole scandal. Like again, it's, is it right? No, of course not. But maybe the greatest athlete of all time across any sport. And that scandal had a profound effect on his career and is on the golf course performance. So that's where it, it becomes, it seeps into the public view um, because it completely derailed the, the greatest golfer who's ever lived. And, um, I guess that part, I agree with Alan, but I just don't, I like the apology. I didn't, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Derailed his career. Okay. And yeah, it was like some weird text messages and all that stuff. Yeah. It's like, I'm well, not saying we have a right to know. And the, it, the whole thing was way over the top, but you know, when tiger's out there selling buicks is, and he's got you know the kids buckle up in the back seat and if that's the image you're selling and and then i think what america hates more than anything is a hypocrite so if you're selling yourself as a family guy and and this paragon of of, of golfing gentlemen and all these virtues and then it, it comes out that in fact you're something else that's why but you know if like Derek jeter was out on the town every night with a different girl. Nobody cared. He was a bachelor. That was part of his brand. But when you're, you know, when you, when you pass yourself off as something that you're not, that's, I think when, where people, um, object and they felt, they felt betrayed. And, you know, again, 
was it Tiger's idea to have that Buick commercial? Like, you know, there's a lot of forces that he'd probably just got swept up in. And even in the moment when he's filming, it, he's probably like, Oh, this is kind of, this is kind of weird, but you just, you just go with it. Alan, I'm glad you made that point. And, and many did at the time and many would today. Uh, uh, he was selling himself as one thing and he really was something else. Uh, and that put people on edge. Uh, I would still go back to what Nicholas said at the time, you know, it's his private life, you know, why, why should we care? But there's a lot to be said for what you, for what you just said. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is that the reason we're so invested in golfers, it's not because one hits a seven iron better than the other. It's, I mean, Tiger's whole story, it's, you know, growing up, not being, feeling welcome at, at these, at these private clubs and Earl Janglin, the change in his backswing and, and the hug, at Augusta, like it's, it's their private lives and their family lives that frame the whole story, you know, just like why was the 95 masters meaningful? It's because, you know, Ben Crenshaw and Harvey Penick and, you know, it's like, we care about athletes as human beings. Like that's why we're invested in their story and right or wrong. That's just how it is. You know, I mean, Phil winning the 2010 masters. Well, Amy has cancer. Like that's why everyone was crying. And so, it, when when you have the heartwarming stories and you have these great victories and they're defined by the personal lives and the family life and and you know the players dine out on that for a long time but then there's a there's another side to that when when you when you run astray and there's the drugs and there's the girls and there's all this other stuff then that's going to be part of the story too and so you can't only you can't only write about athletes when the, the warm and fuzzy things because it, it's their personal stories that are so compelling. I mean, looking back on the scandal and all it is, this is very like just a personal feeling. Is it, it made me like tiger more from the standpoint of we had him on this pedestal as some perfect person and he's flawed just like all of us. And he seems to be a better father. Maybe he has a possibly addiction issues or whatever, but that's all we know. These people, my aunt was an addict, uh, we all know somebody who is an addict. Like he seems to be a better father. He seems to be a better girlfriend. Do we know that for sure? No, I don't know. It's not my business, but it seems to be that the scandal and the accident and his addiction is he's a flawed dude and that's okay. We're all flawed. Like it's, it made me like tiger more, not the things he did, just that he was flawed. He screwed up and, he tried to become a better person, it seems. So I don't, I don't know. Like who he's banging is just not my business. Yeah, well, I I fully agree with that. It's, um, but it's it's interesting. I mean, that was what thirteen years ago now, right? It was just time wow. of year, right? It, it all it all went it all went pear shaped around Thanksgiving and into early December, and um, it's one of the great what ifs in in sports history. Like, uh, what if Tiger never hit the fire hydrant? you know, and if that stuff had never gone public and, um, who knows where he would be. And, um, you know, the addiction issues that followed, is that, is that related to lingering depression and shame and all these things? Like, who knows? It's, it's, it's a wild turn of events and we're, we're not psychologists. We just play them on the internet, but it's, um, it's hard not to wonder how things would have been different. I hope one day that tiger, writes his true feelings, not because like we deserve to know or what was happening behind the scenes, just like what he felt. Was it depression? Was it, you know, 
like he he was held up to this being a perfect person and you know he was obviously i'm sure in some ways ashamed of the things he was doing behind his wife's back and those kind of things i would i would just be super interested but obviously it's never going to happen because he's he's a uh, you know he he represents so many brands and those kind of things he's just very you know defensive about not defensive but he just isn't very open but i would love to hear about what led up to you know the things behind the scenes just of of what what he went through why he felt the things that he did so wow this is a heavy this got heavy (laughs) well you 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 know ryan that that tiger at one point was signed up to to write a a book with a writer who is like a psychoanalyst, a guy named J.D. JD Moringer, J.R. J.R. Moringer, uh, uh, and it didn't happen. But uh, Moringer wrote Agassiz and wrote Phil Knight. And uh, to sign up with Moringer is to say, you know, I'm going to spill the beans to you and uh, not spill the beans. That's a crass phrase. Just be truthful and examine my life. And in the end, for different reasons, I'm sure uh, it, it it's either on hold or isn't going to happen. It's not going to happen. Um, yeah, well, it's fascinating. I mean, it it's left to the novelist's imagination to kind of wonder some of these things. I will say there there is a novel out there called The Swinger. Two of the guys on this podcast typed it, and it does go into the heart and mind of a cross cultural golfing icon whose life is torn asunder by a, a tabloid fueled uh, sex scandal. So. Uh, there are some there are some answers in that book, I think, if those are interested. Um, but it's interesting, Alan, because you know we we've got a sports editor in that book who says, you know, uh, <laughs> what kind of job are you guys doing if you just weren't telling us anything about the guy that you were covering, which we weren't. So, I mean, you made a very very good point, Alan. It's it's really easy for me to forget that big, broad, major point because they're not politicians, they're not clergymen. They're just professional athletes, um, but they are sort of duping the public. They are professional salesmen. And just to, just one general thought, if I may, uh, and I we're probably wrapping up here, but when Liv has brought a lot of emotion to a lot of us in a lot of different ways. And one reason is we don't like to think professional golfers, or maybe I should speak for myself, as grubby as money hungry as well, I want the money. It's not supposed to be like that. Or we don't think, I don't think it's supposed to be like that, but it turns out it is like that. And personally, I find it disappointing. I shouldn't be surprised at 62, but I am. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah. Well, this is the thing about the fire drill podcast. We start in, uh, in Poland and we wind up in tiger's <laughs> psyche. So you never know. Where- Just for the record, I want to make it clear that I want, I finally found there's two <laughs> players on the OWGR from <laughs> Poland with points. Okay. There's a bunch listed, but none of them have points. So there's two. It's Adrian Moronk and some guy on the challenge tour. So he is going to change. He is going to change right. Polish golf forever. Adrian Moronk, agent of change. I love it. Um, before we let the listeners go, we should mention that um, if you've come this far, you seem to enjoy our podcast. And we, here at the, at the Fire Pit Collective, we have another podcast, Need a Fourth. It's Michael and myself, Jeff Ogilvie. We bring in a different guest every week. Um, they drop on Wednesdays. This week is a guy named Brandel Chambly, very polarizing Golf Channel analyst. Um, and it was, I'll, I'll, I'll let you, Michael, I don't want to speak for you, but I thought it was a fascinating conversation where we saw a different side Absolutely. of Brandel. 
he was so thoughtful and um and you know you on air he can be confrontational and spicy but he he was just i think he just enjoyed talking about the golf swing talking to jeff and nerding out and uh, what were your thoughts about that that pod I, I i totally agree it was you know he the thing that made brandel brandel is he loves golf and he loves the golf swing and and uh, he went deep you know, probably in large part because Jeff was there and he and Jeff speak the same language. If you like Michael Murphy, and that was really special, and I'm not comparing Brandon with Michael Murphy, totally different personality types, but it's really an opportunity to hear Brandon. Uh, I would say at his best, it's terrific. Yeah. It was, it was, I think that's what makes the show as a listener, may I include, but like it, as a listener, that's what makes it the show good. Like Joel Damon's goofy and also like introspective, you know, like funny and, and Michael Murphy's like Mike Murphy's way too deep for me, but like people loved it. <laughs> and uh, Brandel Chambly is going to be very good. So I mean, like that's what makes the show is like you're you're not going to get you know the same person. You're going to get uh, people nerding out and very deep and funny. And I mean, it's it's great. It's great. I'm obviously biased. <laughs> well, thank you, Ryan. So. All right. This was another Sunday fire drill. Um, we appreciate uh, the listeners sticking with us here to the bitter end. We do these pretty much every week. Um, the digressions are fun. Definitely didn't think we we're going to go in the direction we did with Tiger, but that that was fun. I mean, we haven't actually haven't talked or thought about Tiger in that depth in a while, and he's just he's the defining athlete of our lives and our careers. And I, we could we could talk about Tiger forever, and it, it's. It's always it's always changing, it's always evolving, and it, it's always interesting. So, um, for uh, Ryan French, who's somewhere in Middle America, Michael Bamberger, who's we never know where he is, uh, undisclosed location, undisclosed location. <laughs> this is Alan Shipnuck in California. This was the Fire Drill Podcast, and we'll be back at it next week. Thanks for listening. I bet big and I played to win. Made a fortune when my ship came in I ran the table, never thought I could fall Then the winter time hit me like a cannonball And now I can't shake this losing streak Every road I take is a dead-end street I got thoughts in my head, can't get them out Trying not to think what I'm thinking about Trying not to think what I'm thinking about Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. 
because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.